what you do in the short term is going to dictate how you get raises, how you get promotions. So it's very, very easy to fall into that trap of saying, I'm going to make the decision based on what's best for me in the short term. But it's it's just unfortunately bad logic because in the long term... Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. All right, we are live. We'll do it live. We will do it live. I was um, a little bit anxious about doing this live because uh, I don't have it all together today, to be <laughs> honest with you. I, um, I I had intended to take a shower. I had <laughs> intended to shave and clean up. I noticed you're... You're trimmed up nicely here. Yeah, I, I let it go for a little while. You got then, a haircut. Uh, yep, looks nice. And then, um, I mean, I, I think I got a haircut like two weeks ago. But like, I, I was looking. I'm like, yeah, I haven't shaved like in a week and a half. So, you know, sh- shaved the the other day. Looking good. So I had all these great plans this morning, and um, none of them happened. I haven't showered. I haven't combed my hair. It's a complete mess. I haven't shaved. I'm, I have my morning shirt on that I put on to take the dog out in the morning. Uh, so, you know, but you know, sometimes this is how it is. Um, and I think it fits the spirit of the, uh, the podcast well in that, um, we're not, we're not too concerned with, with appearing overly polished and, uh, and, and let me be careful with how I, I say that. And then we're definitely focused on making sure we put out a good product and we think a lot about the experience it's creating. Um, but what we're not into is faking it. You know, you think we've had some of the conversations about the, uh, Instagram influencers that fake it for 30 seconds to make it look like that's the reality. This is the reality. Sometimes you get get started at 7.30 in the morning on client calls and it's back to back to back. And then before you know it, you haven't eaten lunch, you haven't showered, you haven't put on deodorant, you haven't combed your hair. And some days that's just how it, it is. There's no there's no need to uh, fake it that that's not the reality sometimes. So Yeah. And like, you know, it, it's like the, the social media posts that you see and it's like, that did not happen. <laughs> like yeah. the yeah. odds of that happening in that sequence... Yeah, no, slim to not. Yeah. So anyway, you're you're getting the not a hundred percent polished Jason today, but that's okay. Yeah, well, it, it's it's the um it, it's the genuine Jason. I hope so. It, you know, it's like you know, we, we, we see it all the time, like especially like in, in sales. Um like I, I thought I saw a thread on on Twitter a week or two ago talking about like it, the, the last year, the, the pandemic has caused a lot of people not to just rethink 
going into an office, but just business travel in, in general. Yeah. There like was visiting clients. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think like you were involved with him. Maybe Randy was Randy, think, Ben Gaines. Um, yeah. a few other folks were, were on that thread. Like Randy was talking about like, you know, he made this one trip, like a flight with like, I think he may have mentioned like eight other people to, to present something for 30 minutes. And I thought about the one time I flew from Philadelphia to Denver just for the day. Yeah. And the meeting, oh, and the meeting didn't actually even happen uh, one, uh, because there was multiple people flying in from various different areas. And one of the folks, like the, there was an issue with their flight or something like that, and they didn't make it out. So the meeting got canceled. So, I mean, I do have it as a notch in my belt to say I, I, I took a day trip to Denver from Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, but it was a brutal day. You know, it's I left hard. here. It's hard. We're too old I left for here that, at like yeah. seven, seven in the morning. I uh, got to Denver. The meeting didn't happen. And then like I was taking like a 7 p.m. Denver flight home, which was 9 p.m. here. And yeah, it, it's fun to say I, I did it, but I wouldn't be doing it again. It's incredibly hard. Um, I've taken multiple day trips um, to L.A., uh, which is it's an hour and 20 minute flight. But it's just the everything, the rushing of everything. And it's mm-hmm. just absolutely draining uh, I'll give you two stories. Um, one, um, I had a vendor ping me on a Tuesday night. Said, "I need you to book a meet, uh, book a ticket to be in San Diego uh, tomorrow morning for this pitch that we're going to give to a a prospect." <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "No, first of all, why am I sh- doing showing up to do your job? You can do your own damn job." But two, I don't, I don't, I don't roll like that. If, if I'm going to show up somewhere, it's going to be very deliberate about why I'm going and what I'm trying to solve for. But that leads into my second story. This happens so often, um, that you need this like entire team showing up to some kind of a sales call or presentation. And I think a lot of it is because, I hope there are a few sales executives listening to the podcast. Most sales executives are extremely lazy, specifically in the MarTech space, because especially if you work for a top vendor, the the software sells itself. You know, you show up and do a little wine and dine and get signatures on a contract and, and sales reps can make a really nice living without putting in a whole lot of work to really understand what it is they're selling, which... I think is unfortunate. It's lazy, but what do they care? They're getting, they're, they're making a nice paycheck. But what happens to counter that is because they haven't put in the work, uh, they need a massive team behind them to answer every question that may come up that they have no clue how to answer. So I need all these specialists to show up. And I was, I was sitting at a, at a company meeting once where a vendor came in um, and they had seven people show up. To, to do this one hour sales presentation. Um, and I was there as well. And I think one of them asked me during a quick, uh, a quick five minute break, like, where's your team? I'm like, I'm all we need. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need a team of eight to answer all the questions. I can answer all your, all the questions, but these sales reps can't, um, because they, and it's not that they don't have the ability to, they just don't have the desire or want to. <laughs> so, um, it's it's unfortunate. I so I'm not a fan of day trips. It's very draining. If you like it, that's awesome. More power to you. Do it. I'm uh, I'm not a fan of doing um, huge shows of force. Um, it's it's very wasteful. Um, and uh, damn, put in some more work so that you can bring a smaller team. 
to the, to the client site so you can answer some of your own questions. Sorry, I com- you, you completely triggered me to go off on a on a tangent there. Oh, all good, all good. You're, you're bringing the fire already. Yeah, well, you know, I've been up since 7.30 on client calls without taking a shower. This is what you get. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that. Um, trying to think what else... What else is going on? Um, what's your What's your topic for today? Are you Are you leading me into a topic, or are we just? Um, gonna, I was trying to free form. Okay, trying to give, you, okay. yeah, <laughs> trying to give to me give a platform you for. So you, you know, you know, I'm not good with with segues. That's that's your job. No, I was trying. I was trying to set you up with uh, with, with some material to. to Come on, use that. the corporate line. Use the corporate buzzword. Which corporate buzzword? I was trying to. I was trying to. I was trying to lob you a softball. Something like that, right? <laughs> I'm trying to be very, very good at not using my business speak. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I want to talk a bit about, and I think like we, you know, we could use uh, sales as as a springboard into that topic um, around like you know, large corporations like kneecapping partners and and, and customers. You know, it, it, it's a growing trend that that we're seeing. With especially in our space, some very very big players valuing or, or, or placing value on partnerships and customers on the short term dollar only. I don't even want to say the dollar because it's only the short term dollar. Yeah, it's not the the long term dollar or even just the long term non monetary value that comes out of working with, with certain people. Yeah, um, it, it's <laughs> and, something we've been seeing, and I, I think it, it's definitely something worth worth talking about. It's worth bringing up that you know we we spent some time yesterday talking about it. I mean the 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 long term ramifications I see from some of this behavior are these companies that everyone just takes for granted, the them actually hollowing themselves out. By only worrying about the biggest names, the 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 money a customer or a partner is going to bring in this quarter only. Yeah, it, I mean it's a thing. I mean it is it is absolutely happening, um, and and probably could have been predicted. The reason why I think this is happening is because we've had um, mass consolidation in the space, and mm-hmm. and so I I, I want to be clear that I I don't. I don't believe this is happening as a vision of these, these big SaaS vendors. I, I, I don't believe that's the case. I believe what is happening is this is happening because these companies have gotten so big so quickly. And if you think about it, you have your Salesforces, your Adobe's, your Google's, and they have sucked up every other player in the space to build these massive all in cloud offerings. And, and I think, uh, an output of that is that they have grown incredibly fast. And as part of that, you have individual departments within companies that are not aligned on the goals of the company itself. And I think that that's truly where these, these problems are, are popping up. Um, and, you know, and specifically if we're talking about, about partnerships, I, I truly believe that's the case. I don't think these big companies are saying, let's screw over our partner network. <laughs> you know, let's 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 treat people that love our brand poorly. I mean, they would never say that. 
But when you've grown so quickly and you become disconnected from the goals of the company and your individual goals are what's driving you because, hey, that's what keeps me employed. That's what gets my bonus this next quarter. It it makes sense. And unfortunately, this is not unique to any one vendor. It happens with every major vendor in this space that their partner organizations are not partner organizations. Their partner organizations are sales organizations, and they treat their partnerships as an extension of their sales teams. Um, They're really resellers. They're really there to help bring objectivity, air quotes, objectivity um, to sales deals, to help land new deals. They're they're really there to to sell more product. Um, And if you don't sell a lot of product, then you're really not important. And I'm completely fine with that. As long as you are transparent about that is what that it that is what we are doing from a partnership model perspective. Uh, unfortunately, it's not positioned like that really with any vendors. I think maybe Google probably does the best job of it, where they're pretty transparent that they have a very strong Google reseller network, um, and their their partners are are really um, incented in pushing um, selling their product. Completely, completely cool with that. But be transparent about it. What what I take issue with is when companies say, "Hey, we really want to partner with outside experts. We really want them part of our ecosystem." But it's only if you're willing to pay to play. So pay us a premium, like literally, open up your checkbook and write us a big check just for the privilege of being our partner. And then, if you want to continue to have that privilege, um, you have to sign up for a quota to sell our product. Um, I, I have a problem with that model where it's not, where, where, where there's not transparency and that is what is happening. Um, and I have, I have a problem with it both from a vendor perspective, because I think it puts partners in a position to be really mistreated by vendors, but I also have a problem with it from an agency perspective. And I was hoping you would hit on that because yeah, that's where I, I was going I mean, to make sure we touched on because it 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 is it, it is having such a drastic impact on on the marketplace and um i think vendors or agencies should absolutely be called out for not doing this the correct way and this is one of the few times where i will firmly stand behind a judgment call that i'm making that this is about right and wrong that if you are an agency and you have a official partnership relationship with a vendor and you're getting compensation for that partnership it has to be transparently exposed at the very beginning of all of your relationships and conversations and and don't dance around it by saying well we're not getting paid they're not giving us money that's not fair you have to look at total compensation so sure if you're getting a direct kickback from selling software that's the big one but are you getting handed clients? Are they selling deals and, and and selling services and then handing those services to you? Are you getting other kickbacks in the form of free training, maybe free licensing? You, you, you need to be transparent in what that relationship looks like because you need to fully educate the companies that you're advising what your motives are because it's completely unfair for you as an agency to go into a, a, a company and advise them to purchase a certain software package that you're getting compensated to sell. It's perfectly fine to do that. It's within your right, and lots of companies do that very well. But if you're not exposing 
the details. And I'm not saying we get compensated. I'm saying we get 20% of the deal kicked back to us. If you're not saying that, you're wrong. And you should be publicly called out for doing it wrong because you are misleading the companies you're advising. And they need to have the information to say, is this person telling me this because it's best for me? Or are they telling me this because it's giving them a nice little kickback? So I could go on and on. No, it, 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 it's, um, you know, I know I, I don't want to use that example. I, I, I had an example in my mind, but I don't. I don't, I don't want to use it at that, at, at this time. Um, but I, I think it's, I, I think it's, 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 it's good to call out um, because, you know, when I was kind of coming into this, this session, I was kind of seeing it as, as, as a way of like kind of making it very clear, you know, taking a shot at some of these large companies that do this, but you're right. Like it becomes this enablement environment when, when partner agencies, don't disclose that, you know, like th th that's always been my thing is, is mm -hmm. disclosure bias. Yeah. The, the disclosure bias, regardless of what the topic is, because then whatever information you share with people, they can, they can take that into, into account. Absolutely. Um, earlier this year, uh, Jen and I were involved with helping a client reevaluate their tech stack. And um, that there was definitely biases all around. Um, there was someone on the client side that was particular to one vendor. Um, there was somebody else who was like, we need whatever's best for this other vendor's stack to work, regardless of this other component. Um, and we were like, I, I pulled our one stakeholder aside. And I'm like, we get no monetary compensation. <laughs> I'm not here shilling for, for any company. Um, my goal is to evaluate all of them. And the reason I want to call that out is, is because our evaluation was leaning towards a, a particular vendor that someone else there did not like. Mm. And I'm like, my goal is not to shill for them. My goal is, is to say, what are all of the biases here? As well as what is going to be the best piece of technology for, for you to use. And that can be seen as grandstanding. That could be seen as, you know, being up on, on a soapbox, but it's not, it's, it is, it's, it, not. It, it, it's meant to give, um, you know, whomever we're partnering with, whomever our client is that mm, we, we, we have no incentive financial or otherwise to help you come to a particular conclusion. <clears throat> that. Absolutely. And every agency should be having that conversation, regardless of where they fall on the spectrum. I, I think it's important to let uh, the marketplace, your prospects and the companies you, you are working with know where you stand on it. And, and, and that isn't where you stand isn't a right or wrong. If you choose to be a reseller and get kickbacks and have that as a core component of your revenue, revenue generating model for your company, by all means, do that. I have no problem with that. If you choose to kind of go to the opposite end of the spectrum and say, we're not interested in any of that at all, that's perfectly valid and fine as well. I, I want to be clear that I'm not making a judgment call on the model that you choose. I'm making a judgment call on your ability or inability to be transparent about the model you choose. That I have a problem with. If you're not being transparent, you are wrong. You you must be transparent on what that model is. And, and 
to be transparent on what our model is, we have a zero tolerance policy on kick, getting kickbacks from vendors. Um, we've sold millions and millions of dollars of software for vendors. We've saved millions and millions and millions of dollars in potential lost revenue for vendors. And we have not in eight years taken a dime for any of that. And, and that's something that we're extremely proud of. Um, and we, we do that for lots of reasons, but one of the primary reasons is, I don't know if we've had this conversation on the podcast or not, but when you hire outside experts, you're really thinking about, um, I think three different things you're thinking about number one bandwidth. So, you know, do I just not have enough people on my team to hammer keyboards? A lot of, a lot of companies bring in outside expertise to be an extension of bandwidth. Uh, number two is expertise. And, and the order I'm putting these in are from least valuable to most valuable. So bandwidth is least valuable. Um, slightly more valuable is expertise. You're bringing people in that are true experts in their craft and they're bringing a level of expertise that you simply don't have in your company. That's, that's pretty valuable. The most valuable, I believe, is true objectivity. If you're bringing in someone that is an expert in their craft and that has no allegiances to, to your internal politics or the vendors that you're using or talking to, they're able to bring a level of objectivity that as hard as you want, you will never create that with an internal employee. That outside expert that can bring objectivity is insanely valuable. And that is what we pride ourselves on in being able to bring that object objectivity. Sure, we're, we're masters of our craft. Uh, we are the best analytics implementers in the space. We are the top analysts in our space. We run more uh, high value optimization programs than anyone else in our space. That's a given. But what companies are hiring us for is to bring that unbridled objectivity that they can't get anywhere else. And the minute we take money, the minute we take kickbacks, that objectivity goes away and we lose the most valuable thing that companies can hire us for. And so we have, we have held very, very fast to that. And I am an equal opportunity, uh, taking people to task and being hard on, on vendors because of that. We, we don't have those allegiances. Um, I can be tough on Adobe. I can be tough on Google because they're not going to come and say, well, Jason was mean to us. We're going to take away some of his, his kickbacks. There's no kickbacks to take away. We can do that. In fact, this week, you may have seen it on social media. I was pretty tough on Adobe um, with some of the ways that our the partnership model has been playing out and how, how we've kind of been treated um, as a partner that doesn't take kickbacks from them, as a partner that truly is just interested in making their clients happier and, and making them uh, get more use out of their, their products. I was pretty tough on Adobe. This morning... I was really tough on Optimizely. I was I was on a call where Optimizely 100% misrepresented how Adobe Analytics works. And I had held back 0% in taking them to task for misleading the client in their speak. So I can be tough on both of them and still love them both um, because we, we have made that deliberate decision to not have that financial relationship tied between our companies. And I think that has made an incredible difference in how we operate. And I know it's very, very meaningful to our clients because let's, let's be honest, our clients get lied to a lot. 
They get lied to by salespeople and other agencies and vendors all the time. We are one group within their network that they know that they can come to and say, Jim, I'm thinking about A versus B. And they know when you tell them B, it's because you've done the research, you're an expert, and B is best for them, not because B is best for 33 Sticks and Jim. And that is insanely valuable to our clients because I know they don't get that in many other places. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like even just, you know, to, to kind of add to that a little bit, it, it's not just like the actual um, perception of, of conflict of interest, or I'm sorry, it's not the actual like conflict of interest that's there. Like I need to do this because we need to pad our quarterly revenue. Um, it's the perceived, um, you know, conflict of interest. You still, you know, you may still, you know, tell a client like, you know, and, and maybe acting in their best interest. But if they start to find out that you're getting compensated on the side without them telling with, without you disclosing it, what's going to happen is, 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 you know, while you may still be acting in their best interest, they're not going to believe you. Yeah. You're going to have lost some credibility. <laughs> for, for sure. And I, and you know, I just wish that more agencies got that. And I honestly just wish that more vendors got that. Um, but again, you, you queued up the conversation that unfortunately most people are, are just too laser fo- focused on quarterly results that they lose sight of the bigger picture. Um, but if I'm a senior executive at a, a big market vendor, I'm, I'm pushing my team to develop these relationships with agencies that are being transparent, that don't have this financial relationship, because I know it's, it's not a gut feeling. It's not an instinct. I know it eight years in doing business, the impact that this has with our word, meaning that we may not always recommend you as a vendor, but when we do, what is our, what is our close rate on that recommendation? It's, it's gotta be somewhere north, north of like 95%. When we recommend a vendor more than 95% of the time, our clients purchase software from that vendor because they trust us. And I think in, in the long game, that pays off amazingly well for for vendors. But unfortunately, that's not how salespeople get comped. They get comped in, on what they sell this quarter. And honestly, they don't give a crap because next quarter, they may not be even with this client anymore. They may have been reassigned. And at the end of the year, it's almost 100% guaranteed they're not going to be the rep for that client. They will have been reassigned. So any long-term growth with a specific client is simply misaligned with the way that they're being compensated. Um, so in order to change this, we need to change not only strategically how we view partnerships and sales models at, at MarTech vendors, we need to fundamentally change the sales model on how sales reps are compensated for those clients to not be heavily compensated on quarterly results of close and more compensated on long-term growth and success of customers. Because ultimately, I, I'm hoping that that's what these big MarTech vendors have in common is that they're interested in the long-term success of their customers. I, I'm going to give them that as a given that that's what they're concerned with. But on the ground, from an execution standpoint, a lot of their teams are not concerned about long-term success. They're concerned about short-term success because that's what they're 
individually compensated on. So there's a misalignment in expectations and actions um, that I think is driving a lot of this behavior. And there is like a wicked thunderstorm rolling in at the moment. <laughs> is there? <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden like the winds are blowing. I'm like, I, I may have to quick run and close the windows. We're gonna we're gonna uh, lose our feet. No, no, no. Well, I'm, uh, thanks to to Sean Reed's recommendation. Like uh, before, I was trying to use Wi-Fi on the last time we we did a live stream, and the best yeah, ever. Best ever. What's that? The best, best ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went and uh, now, like, I I bought like a simple Ethernet cable, so I'm I'm hardwired now. But now it's uh, I may actually have to run and close close the windows. Yeah, go, the windows go, picked go. up. Um, <laughs> So we, don't, we, we, don't, we don't want your house filling with uh, rain and wind damage just to keep a podcast c- continuously. Um, but before I quick step <laughs> away, so, you know, we, we've talked a bit about like agencies disclosing the kickbacks on, on their side and, and, you know, as one way to, to add transparency and, and fix some of the ills that we're seeing around this. Um, what are some of your thoughts around other ways that like, because we're, we're, we're seeing the, the, the problems that we're seeing are like these, um, these large companies taking advantage of their partners, you know, yeah. using like you had brought up the, the fear tactics. Fear is a phenomenal motivator, yeah. but these fear tactics of if, if, if you don't speak nicely, if you don't tow the line, we're going to cut off that revenue stream from you. Um, what are some of the other ways that we, we can cure some of these ills? I, I mean, I think, again, I think it has to start with thinking sustainably. Um, and now I'm going to feel super weird and I hope you can still hear me. Otherwise I'm just going to start talking about our guests about how we can, uh, mimic mock, uh, Jim. Oh, you're back. Okay. Um, and so no, I can I, hear you. My, my headphones are connected, <laughs> so I, I'm listening. So I, I think it really has to start with thinking more sustainable. Um, and sustainability is about the long game. Uh, and thinking about things long term, if if everything that we're doing from a how am I compensated, how am I judged, um, what what things are evaluated when we think about is Jason going to get promoted or not, if all of that is done on an arbitrary quarter by quarter basis, and I, I better be careful because a lot of that isn't arbitrary. Um, the quarter by quarter basis is because most of these companies are publicly traded companies and quarterly um, results are what drives their stock price. So it, it isn't arbitrary that this happens on a quarter by quarter basis. But as long as that is what's driving our behavior patterns, I think regardless of the cultural changes or strategy changes at the top, it's going to be very, very difficult to change behavior when we say we want to think about sustainability. When we say we want to think about the long-term viability and success of our customers, we can say all that all we want, but if our business is driven on a quarter by quarter's results, then by definition, our actions are going to be misaligned with what we say. So what we say and what we do are going to be massively out of alignment because what we say is that we're focused on the long-term, but what we do has everything to do with what is going to make us look best this quarter. And, and, and that, I don't know how we change that because I think that again, I think that's a huge, has a huge component with publicly traded companies where they are incented to maximize focus on, on this quarter. And I don't think you need to look any farther than companies that are not publicly traded. 
and people are probably sick of hearing me talk about Patagonia, but I think it's probably the best example. Uh, you know, this is a multi-billion dollar company that stayed private uh, because they didn't want those terms to be dictated to them. They knew that their goal was sustainability and long-term health. And in order to do that, the decisions they made um, had to be about the long-term. And I'm going to completely screw up the quote from Yvonne, um, but he said something like, um, the decisions I make are really not focused on quarterly results. The decisions I make are based around, is this this, is this decision going to ensure that my company is here 100 years from now or not? If it's not, then I'm not going to do it. If it is, then I'm going to do it. I mean, that's the, that's a long game, right? Like if I'm thinking about decisions I'm making now impacting my company's viability a hundred years from now, that's a long game. And, and they have the ability to do that because they're not beholden to investors and wall street and, um, and, and stock prices. And one of the other quotes that I really, really love is that they say something like with, with publicly traded companies, you don't have a choice on how quickly you grow, you grow as fast as Wall Street tells you, you have to grow. Uh, and even then, it's not good enough. I, if anyone on uh, listening to the podcast has listened to quarterly earnings um, calls, you will know that performing to expectations is failing, is not good enough. So if Wall Street says you need to grow 2% this quarter and you grow 2%, what happens to your stock price? Goes down. Um, so if wall street tells you you're, you need to grow 2% this quarter, you need to grow 4% this quarter. And, and so once you go public, you've lost control out of your ability to maintain a healthy growth over time. And one of the things that Patagonia says that I just absolutely love is that we don't have arbitrary goals for how much we are going to grow as a company. We let the market dictate to us how quickly we're going to grow as a company. I love that so much that that is 100% how 33 Sticks grow, it grows and, how, and operates. We don't have arbitrary financial or growth goals, goals that say every year we have to double our revenue. Every year we have to add X number of employees. We just don't. I, we're going to grow as fast as the market tells us we need to grow. So that means... That if uh, one year we've done something phenomenal and a hundred companies want to work with us, well, we either need to hire a bunch of employees and grow really big, or we need to select only a few to work with, but that's 100% within our control, how much we grow. So that may mean some years we hire two people. That may mean some years we hire zero people. That may mean some years our revenue is flat. We did the same as last year. Some years it may mean we double our revenue. And I honestly don't care. I, I want to grow organically in a, in a healthy way at the rate that the market tells us is the right pace to grow. I don't want to grow at an arbitrary rate based on what someone else says because it's what's best for their pocketbook. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you, you made me think of something. So, so Wall Street aside, you know, I mean, and that is, I mean, that, that's a monumental force. Mm-hmm. Wall Street aside... <laughs> why don't people want to push for like the longer term term sustain sustainability? You know, I, I get wall street being the major factor of why people look to quarter over quarter versus year over year, multiple years over multiple years. Why don't you think like the, the if people aren't pushing to, yeah, we want to, 
we want to be here 10 years in, we want to be here 30 years from now. Um, why don't people look at that? Like uh, any, any particular thoughts, any good examples? I don't think they see any value in it. It's let me get mine and get out. Yeah. If they don't see any value to it, why, why would I put it? Because I, I will tell you that thinking sustainably thinking about the long game is exponentially harder than thinking about the short game. I mean, we may, you know, debate and say, no, it's really hard to hit Wall Street expectations. That may be. But I will tell you that it's much harder to make decisions that are long term focused because you have to stick with your ideals. You have to make really tough decisions. You have to sometimes reject revenue when maybe it's the hardest time to reject revenue. You know, you may have to make really um, tough decisions that in the moment are extremely unpopular. But in the long run, it's the right decision to make. So it's incredibly difficult. So if, if I don't see the vision, if I don't catch the vision of what's in it for me and what's the long-term value, why would I ever make the decision to do more work and to do harder work for something that I don't see why, what I would be compensated for? So I think that's the biggest mismatch is I don't understand what I'm going to be comped for. So why am I going to put it in the work? I will tell you that it's a huge mistake from an employee perspective. And it doesn't matter if you're going to be with the company long-term or not. Your, your entirety is what defines you, is what creates your value, is what creates your, your network. And so if you're thinking short-term because I'm not going to be at this employer a year from now, that's, that may very well be the case. But your career is not this employer. Your career is its totality. And it doesn't matter if you stay with an employer a year or not. If your focus is on sustainability and long-term value, that's going to make a difference with your, with your colleagues with your management, with the customers that you interact with. And I guarantee you it's going to pay off at the next job and the next job and the next job. If you're thinking short term, you're going to have to constantly reinvent yourself and define yourself by your current role. And so as employees, if nothing else, um, even though the forces are working against you in the short term, absolutely, because what you do in the short term is going to dictate how you get raises how you get promotions. So it's very, very easy to fall into that trap of saying, I'm going to make the decision based on what's best for me in the short term. But it's it's just unfortunately bad logic because in the long term, you end up further, further behind those that know that investing in the long game, even though it may not pay off this quarter, is what wins. And it's interesting because it aligns with, I don't know if you saw my post on LinkedIn, I don't know if I have the paper around here. I, I grabbed a lined piece of paper and I scribbled like a really messy chart on it, which oh, was yeah, I remember my, seeing that. my salary chart. Um, and it doesn't look like this. It doesn't look like going from zero straight up and an ever increasing rate. Um, my salary has bounced all over the place like a hilly mountain um, where it's gone up, it's gone down. And the reason why it has done that isn't because I've had huge setbacks in my career. The reason why it looks like that is because I've taken a very deliberate approach to playing the long game and that I knew that in the short term, while it may look like I'm not succeeding, I'm taking a step backwards. I always had the long game in mind and said, I'm willing to take five steps backwards because in three or four years from now, I'm going to take 8,000 steps ahead. And, and unfortunately, lots of people don't see it that way. They see it as if I'm not winning every quarter, then I'm losing. And it's just, it's, it's just bad logic. It's not true. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of a way to get the, 
that proposed European Super League. In, oh yeah, you know, as yeah, part of our wrap league. up here. <laughs> I mean, it is good good timing. But if we come back to you know you you brought up the question of why is this happening, and I think as you kicked it off, and I and I took it in a completely different direction. Uh, bad Jason, I need to be thinking Super League. Um, you brought up why is this happening? And I went down the path of, well, it's happening because of explosive growth. And we have these big players that are owning all the technologies in the space Mm -hmm. and internally they're disconnected. Um, But what is also happening um, is this often happens with the mentality of the big boys, right? The big guys in the space, they start to think that they're not getting their fair share and it's, you know, they're driving the market they should be getting more and their and their focus shifts from what is best for our employees, what is best for our customers to what is best for our revenue. And that becomes their driver. So I don't know how many sports fans we have. And within that cohort, I don't know how many international soccer fans we have. But um, the big news in the soccer world this week is the Super League in Europe, which is um, Italy. Um, England and Spain, the top teams from each of those countries got together and said, we're going to form our own super league. And we're going to do that because we're driving all of the revenue for our leagues. And we're having to share that with these other small teams. And it's not fair. We need a bigger cut of the pie. What they didn't realize is that there was going to be massive pushback from their players, their managers, uh, their fans, and just the, the soccer community as a whole pushing back against them saying, what the hell are you doing? You know, you're not even thinking about the experience you're creating for us. You're creating a horrible experience for us. We don't want that. And we see this happening, unfortunately, with so many big vendors that they get so big and their eyes get so wide looking at more and more money. There's never enough, right? Enough is never enough. If, if, if we have a hundred million dollars, we need a hundred billion dollars. We're never going to stop. And what happens is, is when you make that your focus, you think that you have the right to be in a super league at the cost of the experience that you're creating for your managers, your employees, your customers, um, and your marketplace as a whole. And, and I think it's a, a very timely example with, with MarTech, uh, with the super league happening in, in soccer, it's, it's a lesson that I hope that there's some really smart executives at Adobe and Google and Salesforce, and they're looking at this and saying, whoa, we may have dodged a huge bullet here by, by rejecting that. We need to be a little smarter in how we think about our, our customers and our employees because we're, we're getting a little greedy and we're getting to the point where we're making decisions based on just raking in as much revenue as we can. And we're doing that at the cost of creating horrible experiences for the people that are generating that revenue for us. Um, I really do hope some people are watching this and saying, I'm going to learn a lesson from this and help guide our company in a different direction than that. I think we covered everything I I wanted to touch on today. And I I really do like the fact that, you know, again, my, my thought coming in was talking about, you know, what the, the, these larger organizations are doing, but, you know, talking about like, you know, bringing up the, the smaller partners and the compensation just furthers, further enables all of this, this behavior. And I mean, you know, I, I do agree. There, there's nothing wrong with you taking compensation. Yeah. Uh, just be transparent about it. I mean, if you take anything, nothing else away 
from this conversation than this, that in business, transparency and focusing on the experience is what is going to make you successful. In the short term, if you're hyper-focused on revenues, you're going to be successful in the short term. But if you want to make a difference in the long term, it, it has to be about being honest and transparent. And it has to be about creating amazing experiences for everybody that touches your brand. And unfortunately, a lot of companies start out with that as an objective, and that quickly erodes when the money starts rolling in. You know, it's really easy to say when money's not coming in that we stand for A, B, and C. It's really hard when the money starts rolling in to say we stand for A, B, and C if that's going to put that money at risk. And I'll just share one other story, and then we can wrap up. I know this is true because um, for right or wrong, um, I tend to be very vocal and blunt and transparent in the way that, that we think. And um, someone once described it as one of one of my superpowers is being able to give a voice to people that can't have a voice or are fearful to have a voice. And each time I, I kind of go out and say something that is very important to us, that you know, I don't like how we're being treated, or I wish that this vendor would do it differently. There's not a lot of people saying that. There's not a lot of people interacting with that content because they can't, they don't have a voice. But in private, my phone's blowing up and I'm getting messages saying, man, I, we can't say anything like that because if we do, then it's probably going to put our revenue at risk, but we feel the same way. Thank you for saying it. Um, so, you know, Money makes things really, really complicated. And I'm sure that we have foregone revenue. I'm sure that our revenue has been lower because of it, but I wouldn't change a thing. It's the role that we've chosen and I'm super content and super happy playing it. Um, and it's it's our purpose and it, it's why getting up and doing hard things is, is really easy to do because this purpose um, is really, really important to us. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that is a perfect spot to, to, to wrap up. Awesome. Good conversation. Cool. Yeah, lots of fun. Yeah. See you. All right. Catch you later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.